Welcome to Comedia del Cinema, the podcast that, in this year, 2024, will talk about some of comedy's most iconic feature comedic films. And for the next month or two, we'll talk about some of the most noteworthy, for one reason or another, comedies of 2023. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Wold. I'm your other host, Emily Walborn. And today we are talking about a film that is, uh, for reasons both good and bad, probably one of the least noteworthy that we're going to cover this year, only because it seemed to sort of come and go, really, without making too much of an impact. I think it, cold in some circles, was quite noteworthy, I'd say. I, I'm sure. I just mean it didn't make a you know wasn't seen by a lot of people didn't make 1.4 billion it did make almost 16 million worldwide oof, oof, yeah. oof. <laughs> um, this of course is the feature film joyride the directorial debut of crazy rotation screenwriter adele lim uh, who developed the story with a couple of the a couple of other writers um would you give me their names uh yeah there was Co-written by Cherry Shevaprava Dumrong and Teresa Shao. Um, both, I believe, are Family Guy writers or war writers. I know, I'm pretty sure Teresa Shao also worked on Aquafina. Yeah, she show. co-created it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they've both um, worked a lot in the Seth MacFarlane universe. Mm-hmm. Um, worked on American Dad as well. Um one of them wrote on the Orville, which a lot of people like. Um, oh, yeah. Seth MacFarlane's unofficial Star Trek fanfic. TV show? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when they would play ads for that during the Super Bowl and stuff. I watched a couple episodes. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, good. Um, but, you know, they come from a long line of TV comedy writers who finally right. get a crack to, to do a feature. Feature. Yeah, I mean, it seems like... You know, I couldn't really find much on the development of this movie. It, Lim says that is, this journey began with me, Cherry, and Teresa wanting to tell a story with characters who look like us about women who are messy, messy and thirsty, but have so much heart. Um, and then she said, Point Grey and Lionsgate have been incredible allies and partners from day one. So, uh, that's good. Yeah. At a boy, Seth and everyone <laughs> at Lionsgate. Um, but like we said, we're going to talk about a bunch of big, um, notable comedies from mm-hmm. this past year. This was one that I think had quite a bit of hype among among comedy fans. Um, premiered at South by Southwest. Yeah. To quite a bit of acclaim, and then just sort of came and went. Um, I... The unofficial title before it was Joyride was The Joy Fuck Club. Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of wish they had kept that. It kind of hits the tone of it a, a bit better. Yeah. It's also kind of emblematic of, I think, the movie's broader issues in some ways, too. Yeah. Of... But I think it would denote a broader comedy, which it is. Yes. And it is um, a catchier title, certainly. Yeah. Less forgettable. Joyride yeah. could be the title of so many movies, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that it really fits. Like, I don't really understand. Is her name Joy? No, no. 
No. No, her name's Audrey. No, what the hell? <laughs> Joyride. They're not riding anything except a train, a train and airplanes and boats. Hmm. Do Do they ever go in a car? Perhaps we're too square. Maybe it's a sexual thing. Joyride, because it's so such a, you know, horny movie. Frankly. <laughs> yes, it's. It projects a lot of horniness. How much of it feels authentic is up for debate, I think. <laughs> um, but what's what's this movie about? This movie is about uh, childhood best friends, Audrey and Lolo, played by... Audrey is um, Ashley Park, and Lolo is Sherry, Sherry Cola. Cola. Um they met in uh, a small town of White Hills, Washington, where they were the only two Asian kids in town, so they became best friends. Um, fast forward to them being adults. Lolo lives in Audrey's backyard. Audrey is a lawyer who needs to close a deal in um, Asia to be promoted to, I don't know, higher level lawyer. Business. Business lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and with a possible... Uh, promotion and move to LA which she would like to go out and try living somewhere else and maybe get some distance from Lolo Uh, but Lolo tags along on her trip to China um, where she has to close this business deal and Lolo's gonna be her translator along the way we meet Lolo's cousin Deadeyes played by Sabrina Wu Um, and Audrey's college best friend shoot what's your name stephanie cat (laughs) cat which is stephanie shoot who is uh, a famous actor on a chinese drama um oh i should also say i guess audrey is adopted which is a big point because um the chinese businessman played by who's the guy from crazy rich ronnie chang um wants only will do business with her if he knows her family so he invites her and her her birth mom to his party that yeah. weekend and so then all four ladies set off on a journey to find um audrey's birth mom this takes them on a train where they meet a american drug dealer who ropes them into her drug stuff (laughs) (laughs) they all uh and they end up getting kicked off their train they hitchhike with the professional basketball um team troop (laughs) yeah they're a professional basketball sketch troop and the harlem globe (laughs) drives yeah i know now that would have been incredible um (laughs) essentially then all that night all four um of our characters have some kind of uh, raunchy sex capades with all of the basketball players, leaving them all injured. And Does that I have sex? No, but they are. Um, they have some kind of dance off with one of the basketball players oh. that leaves him injured, and so oh. they're all they're all broken up, um, and then they. They can't ride with the the basketball players, so then they 
have to hitchhike around to get to Lolo's family's house. They track down the adoption agency um, to find out that Audrey is gasped Korean. Um, and so they want to make a trip to Korea to find her birth mom. So they pretend to be a K-pop group when mm-hmm. probably the most famous scene from this movie, I guess. And also um, probably the worst scene overall well, in terms we'll of set pieces we'll talk about yeah we can talk about okay but they uh they may get to korea they all have beef with each other and are upset with each other and essentially disband um ashley park finds out that her mom has died but she gets to meet her mom's husband daniel day kim um who plays himself now <laughs> 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 um and so she gets to learn a little bit about her mom um we go back to the states where um, everybody's kind of made up with each other lolo has moved out of audrey's backyard audrey has opened her own practice is going to open her own practice um then all four characters decide to go on another best friends trip to paris something that we can only assume they'll do every year yeah movie a year (laughs) and that is the story of joyride as you can probably tell from that description it's a very plotty movie in some ways Mm -hmm. um which i think sometimes prevents it from feeling a little bit alive and allowing as much as it's a critique of movies that are in the lineage of apatow i think one of the best parts is when you get to sort of hang out with the cast of the movies mm-hmm. and take it at a little bit of a slower pace because you're yeah. getting to know who they are what their rhythms are with each other and then that lets you get to sort of the emotional wounds that are festering yeah it's it's kind of it it, it has a breakneck pace to mm-hmm. it. it's 95 minutes i think yeah which is surprising I, it's i think they're the issue with um with an ensemble comedy like this is you do need that time to breathe and to find the relationships between the characters and let those develop and fester like you said because it's going so fast that it just feels like well obviously we're focused on audrey and that's the main right. thing but it's like the other relationships um lolo and cat don't like each other um audrey doesn't really like dead eyes you know dead eyes and cousin and lolo are just cousins so i guess there's there's nothing really that they say about that but the you don't really those other relationships just kind of fall by the wayside they get kind of just they get almost like if it was a sitcom it'd be like a d plot where you get one beat you get maybe another beat in the second act and then you get a a resolved beat in the third act and it's not actually letting the characters interact as a cohesive group no all of those scenes feel like they're on 1.5 speed even the beginning where it's the setup before they go to asia Mm. it feels like we are just busting through the first act as quickly as we can yeah it's and i think part of that is because this movie has 
uh, it's a gang of four when it, if we're just going by the plot, mm-hmm. it should probably be three or maybe even two. It Yeah, I think three. Unfortunately, I, I don't really think Dead Eyes does, contributes anything except for the K-pop. The K-pop uh, Deus Ex Machina stuff, but it's it's also just they they don't really get. I feel like what they deserve to be getting, like they in this kind of this kind of character that you know Zach Galifianakis has mm-hmm. in The Hangovers that most McCarthy has in Bridesmaids. It should be a star making yeah role. It should be a scene stealer every single time. But it just feels so tacked on that it doesn't feel like it really does them any justice to have them in this movie. Yeah, tacked on and kind of gets to what I think the biggest issue of the movie is. Like, Deadeye is a character who feels like they're there to be that kind of character. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, by the end of this movie, I don't really know what Sabrina Wu's thing is. Right. But... In those other movies, I know what the what those actors are as comedians because the movie lets them do their thing. Right. Here, I think the movie overall is stuck between being, one, a little bit more realistic friend dramedy mm-hmm. and a really, really big and broad yeah. uh, comedy. But overall, it's just, it struggles to add anything new other than unfortunately just i think they got caught up on trying to change up a pre-existing comedy formula mm-hmm. in the casting mm-hmm. instead of actually doing anything new as a kind of comedy and i think it what to me is kind of sucks it's like it's the cast I do really like. Mm-hmm. I think obviously, I was when I first heard about this movie, I was so excited. Like every Asian media company I follow on Instagram was like the hype for this movie mm-hmm. was so great, which I think also maybe was an issue that like I was I had such high hopes going into it because I I love. Crazy Rich Asians, I think mm-hmm. Adult Lim is very talented. I was excited to see her work as a director. Mm-hmm. But I think it had such potential to to steer away from a lot of the tropes of these kinds of movies and do something different. Mm-hmm. Because we're not, you know, it's not Bridesmaids. It's not The Hangover. We're not in America. Mm-hmm. What would those set pieces look like in a different country? Right. Like what... and. I like the story of it, too. I mean, mm-hmm. like, Audrey, like, someone that's adopted, trying to find their birth mother and learn mm-hmm. about their culture. It's a theme, I think, that the kind of fish out of water of uh, Asian American going to Asia is mm-hmm. a theme, obviously, Adele Lim is very interested in. And I think a lot of people in the Asian community are as well. And mm-hmm. I think it's it was great to have that as part of this big comedy. It's just kind of... You just kind of get whiplash between these quieter moments of of that journey that she's on, mm-hmm. and then this like ten minute sequence of them having sex with basketball players. Like, it's kind of just like constantly back and forth, and it doesn't mm-hmm. 
really feel like a lot of unity between the two when I know they were trying to strike that balance between heart and, and really big laughs, but I think it just, they didn't give enough time to let both both be. No, and it's also never really, it feels so split and you can't, you don't ever get a scene where those are kind of happening at the same time. Right. Which I think is when a movie like this works mm-hmm. most. Like the near the climax of Superbad, when mm-hmm. Michael, the girl Michael Sarah has been pursuing the whole time, is trying to hook up with him while very drunk. You get a lot of slapstick, ridiculous comedy. She throws up on his dick, I think. Um, yeah. But also, that's the emotional climax for the character deciding he doesn't want to do this. Right. You know, he, this would be against his values. The Jonah Hill character confessing his feelings to Emma Stone, it's heartfelt, oh, and then he headbutts her. Like, you right. get to have both of those. Here, the basketball stuff has really no connection to the overall story. They just feel like, almost like family guy cutaways that are just yeah. placed in. Yeah, and I think, like, you're saying with super bad in bridesmaids at you know mm-hmm. the climax of annie and um maya rudolph maya rudolph's characters yeah, lillian <laughs> lillian's no uh, yes yeah, lillian. yeah annie and lillian's relationship is at the um bridal shower i guess and you know you see how hurt it makes you know how hurt annie is when helen gives lillian the trip to paris and then you still get great moments like her punching holes through the Mm. cookie and trying to throw a hot chocolate Mm -hmm. fondue across the yard like you you get both those moments but you also sit with how destroyed annie is by this whole experience like you you don't i think because both of those movies take more time in Mm. and invest in that central relationship between the two friends Mm -hmm. that those parts work but i feel like because we we went so fast through the first act of this movie we don't really set up a lot about lolo and audrey's relationship we know that lolo punched a kid Mm -hmm. to protect audrey when they first met yeah and they've you know best friends since they're kids right and that they live together, kind of. Right. But we don't really get to the heart of any... We get some touches on their issues, but it's all... What I think the issue is it's all from Audrey's side. Mm-hmm. We don't see really much from Lolo's side. We know she's an artist that isn't working because she just wants to be a struggling artist. But she thinks her relationship with Audrey is perfect. Right. And she doesn't learn that Audrey was going to leave and go to Los Angeles until the end of Act 2. Yeah. It's it's kind of frustrating because even though, like, Family Guy and American Dad is not completely my speed, mm-hmm. I, would, I would love to watch this movie with this cast that truly presented itself as from two writers yeah you know a family guy or american dad because i feel like then they could kind of go all out 
mm-hmm. with say the set pieces and let those drive the story instead mm-hmm. of almost it feeling like they're they're writing someone else's movie and occasionally put in their kind of humor yeah i think what it's kind of battling is the complexity of the themes that they're really yeah. working with because i mean the whole adoption storyline birth mother storyline she's not actually chinese she's korean mm-hmm. that's a lot of stuff going on emotionally mm-hmm. that because of these big broad um set pieces we aren't really able to unpack fully and so we don't it, it feels kind of inauthentic to mm-hmm. that character that we don't really get to see the full fallout of that yeah. and with her friends it because i think what serves like bridesmaids and super bad well is that the the stakes and you know even book smart like the stakes are are fairly simple mm-hmm someone's friend is getting married and they're worried they're gonna lose her yeah their friend is are they're gonna go to different colleges and they're worried that their friendship won't survive Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's the the storyline is relatively straightforward and then Mm -hmm. you can kind of dress it up with different set pieces yeah whereas this one the storyline is and the themes are and the emotional journey is actually pretty complex and so then it just feels like every set piece kind of distracts from a chance to really get into the characters and, and see those arcs all the way through. Yeah. I mean, if I had been in the edit bay of this movie, I would have <laughs> I would have quoted J.K. Simmons in Whiplash. I would have said, are you rushing or are you dragging? You know, if they were listening, they would say, I'm rushing. Yeah. I know, it's a rare... I know people generally are like, comedies need to be 90 minutes. And I think that that's a detriment to this movie. Like, yeah. I think it does need... It does need, if not another half hour, then just really streamline which set pieces do you need. Mm-hmm. And can you make them additive to the character in some real way? Yeah. Because, like, I like the drug smuggling sequence with Meredith Hagner. Yeah. She's really funny. That's one of my favorite things about these kinds of movies is, all right, we'll have someone who some of the audience knows pop in for five to ten minutes. Yeah. Be weird, and then they're gone. But all it really serves is to show that they're, I don't know, like, ignorant Americans. In their own way, it's not. Well, I don't know. No, that's what sequ- is that? That sequence is more. Um, I know it's been a while since you've seen it, but yeah. it's it's more playing on Ashley Park's kind of internalized racism about being oh, in Asia, and yeah. she doesn't want to sit with the like Asian family or the Asian guys that she thinks look sketchy, so she wants to sit with the white American, right? And and then of course. Just because it's a white American lady doesn't mean that right. she isn't, that she's safe. She's actually a drug dealer. So it's kind of turning that assumption that she's making on her, on its head. Okay. I, and I'm, you know, that's, that's funny in theory. But again, that's a, a bit of a, a complex idea yeah. to run with and then just move on from. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think that could work. 
I think it's just I don't know. I think that part they do actually do well. I think that that thread is carried throughout the at least the first half of the movie, um, because then it it becomes a discussion after the train when they get off that, and and Audrey's never had an Asian boyfriend, oh, and everybody's right. like, "Wow, still you haven't," and mm-hmm. then that's kind of leads her to having a threesome with the basketball players the asian basketball players oh right yeah. so it i mean that part i think they they do connect well i think it's more for me it's the the overall journey with the adoption stuff and the birth mother stuff that doesn't really connect to a lot of the comedy yeah that's fair so what do you because ultimately you know you give this i think a three mm-hmm so what you know, like what overall works for you as a as a you know because three is it's passable. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's boring. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think um, the cast is bad in mm-hmm. any way. I think there it's for me just kind of a, a disconnect between the emotion and the comedy, mm-hmm. and that there's just kind of a lot going on that is a little bit left unexplored but i think i like the way that it looks um you know despite the k-pop sequence being a bit tangential i think that it's a fun idea and i think like this movie is full of a lot of fun ideas for sequences Mm -hmm. i think it's just you know unfortunately for me didn't come together all the way but i think you know, it's 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 a great addition into the canon of Asian American representation. Mm-hmm. I mean, not all obviously. You know, what's perfect representation it doesn't exist, but it's you know, it, I think it's great to have one of these big studio comedies that is written by, directed by, and cast with asian women i mm-hmm. think that's great um and not playing anyone that's typical stereotype in any way i mean mm-hmm. the, not a single one of them is um and i think the one that probably is closest is audrey but it's it is a, a commentary on the fact that she is kind of a stereotype and everybody is like you don't like even try to connect to your culture and that is also part of her journey mm-hmm. it's just kind of i think there's just so many ideas in this movie that i think either needs more time or a different structure yeah it at times just felt like maybe i don't know like it was a really fleshed out outline mm-hmm. that just needed a few more rounds of development because the basic pieces work. It's just I don't know. I it almost seems to me like uh, the pitch was heard. Lionsgate pounced on the concept, wanted to make sure no one else got it, mm-hmm. and then it got made. Which hey, it's great that that happened for this director and these writers. Yeah. I just wonder if of even another round or two of development might have helped it be a little bit tighter and helped them kind of lose some extraneous elements 
Yeah, I th- I think watching it through a second time this week, I I was I I haven't read anything. I don't know if you have about improv in this movie. I haven't. <laughs> There's definitely some parts. Like I think Sabrina Wu does the most improv. Yeah. Well, and Sherry Cola, I think that those two do the most improv. Yeah, since they're both stand-ups. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think that's kind of an element that I. I was missing because mm-hmm. I think it it feels very it feels very tight in the way that it's scripted if that makes sense mm-hmm. like it it feels like it's they wanted to kind of keep it as close to script as possible with you know mm-hmm. sub in different jokes different takes yeah as needed but I think I think I was missing a little bit of uh, of occasional like scenes where it's riffs yeah to get to know the characters yeah. like i want to know helps. i want to know i want to see more than 30 seconds of sherry cola and and ashley park riffing like i want to know i want to know what that best friend lifelong best friend mm-hmm. relationship is really like and we only get snippets of it here and there but i want like i want a scene that's like a minute of them just shooting the shit and figuring out what that kind of relationship is to really solidify an emotional base for those characters. Yeah, and related to that, like the the Stephanie Shoot character is so kind of locked into her D plot mm-hmm. that one, you know, even though we get obviously it's clear that she and Sherry Colo's character have beef. I don't know. She's just so involved in the storyline with her fiance mm-hmm. that at times it's like I don't know what she's doing with them. She's she's not really in much of the third act, is she? I feel no. like she leaves well, for Well, the third act is essentially just oh, Ashley Park. Yes. So n- no one else yeah. really is. But like that character, I don't know. I think it it goes up from it, from believability when it's like, oh, yeah, and one of their friends is this famous star. Could work, mm-hmm. but then you don't invest the time to make her feel like a part of the ensemble. And that just feels a little bit like, okay. Also, Stephanie Shu's there in a small storyline that could use more development, and she doesn't even get to feel like part of the gang. Right, and I think that's where, like, I want more improv than between her and, and Lolo. And right. see like why like Why do they hate each other? Yeah. Yeah. Give us a give us a uh, you know, stealing the wedding toast mm-hmm. scene if in bridesmaids, you know. Yeah. Like give us a little bit of a of an extended look into why they hate each other. Or like give us more than just them Ashley Park and Stephanie Shu singing together to give some backstory about about their relationship in college and Mm -hmm. you know obviously that's probably why lolo doesn't like her because Mm -hmm. she took her best friend during those college years but like let's let's dig into that triangle yeah even if you have to fully spell it out you know at a certain point because then you're connecting it at least to the character's feelings and relationships with each other yeah we're i i have an idea of where i think this kind of fits into all of those kind of big blockbuster 
ensemble comedies, but what's your opinion? I think sort of like I like I said it it just feels like it's torn between it's trying to be in many ways the comedies that already exist mm -hmm. while adding on really interesting themes but but because it's trying to be movies that exist already it doesn't get to really explore yeah. those yeah. which you were saying um so it ultimately to me just feels like in a way that i i think everyone involved is talented but it does feel like all right yeah a lot of these beats were very hangovery mm -hmm. and i think that's sort of what will prevent it from breaking out beyond maybe cult classic yeah i don't know what do you yeah. think yeah i think so because i think it it's uh doesn't have totally its own uh, like comedy identity that like, i think they i think they lean really hard into their raunchy sex stuff uh to try to kind of set it apart but i and have it, its own voice but i think that doesn't totally work and it feels kind of um like an iteration of a lot of yes of a lot of set pieces we've seen mm -hmm. whereas you know i think there's a lot of other really interesting, unique perspectives that we kind of, that kind of got lost because we were doing like, okay, here's the drug sequence, here's the funny sex right. sequence, uh, and here's like a K-pop sequence, which I think like I think that kind of thing could really work and really set it apart, but I think it it just didn't quite work. Well, anything else you'd like to say about Jerry? Well, I mean, we haven't talked even about box office. Uh, box office was very bad. It made like twelve million in the U.S. Uh, opening around five was expected to open around a little over ten, and mm -hmm. maybe have decent legs, mm -hmm. and be something that maybe lost a little bit of money but broke even with streaming and that sort of thing. Unfortunately, it fell far short of that. I'm not totally sure what it got caught up in. I think it was maybe the fact that it came out between No Hard Feelings and Barbie. Yeah. Kind of no one wanted to go see three comedies in five weeks. And there wasn't necessarily... There used to be a time where that was fine. That yeah. was fine for audiences. I think I think probably the problem was how how highly anticipated Barbie was. For July. Yeah. Like, Barbenheimer was pretty much... If people were going to go to the movies in July, they, they were, were going to do those. those. Yeah. This might have worked better in, like, April. Maybe. Yeah. Something earlier. Yeah. And also, a lot of theaters just fully didn't get this. Like, it had a oh. wide release, but also Lionsgate is smart about not, not putting their movies in theaters where it, no like, one is going to see it. Right. Which can be good in this case, help them lose less money, but bad in cases where it could lead to a breakout. Right. You know. Um, uh, what are we talking about next week? Uh, well, next week we're talking, hi Barbie. We're talking about Barbie. Oh, hello Ken. Wait, no, hi Barbie. That's huh? right. What? Yes. Huh? Anyway. We'll see all you Barbies and Kens, and uh, who does Michael Sarah play? Steve. I don't know. Sure. 
And Midge. Emerald Fennel's pretty funny in her, like, Midge. 30 seconds. Is the pregnant lady. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.